Welcome to the Road Tripping PT Podcast. I'm Tyler, and along with my co-host and wife, Carrie, we are two traveling doctors of physical therapy. What started as an idea to document our travels and the interesting conversations we have with people across the country has turned into this podcast. Join us as we talk all things, including travel therapy, our adventures, and interview strangers turned friends throughout our travel assignments. Welcome to the show. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Linda, a PTA who has practiced for over 40 years, who I met while working a travel assignment on Cape Cod. We discuss her experience and long career, including how the profession has evolved. Hope you enjoy the show. Just hit it so that way we're live, and then I'll pull the info later. But I I know you've been practicing. You practiced for how many years? 46? 46 years. That's so long. I'm sure you've seen it. All in skilled nursing. Everything? Well, a couple of my jobs, I worked in acute care, but they always had a connection with a skilled nursing facility that we'd hop over and work in. So I basically always worked in a skilled nursing unit since I started. I remember um, when we were talking at the Cape, like getting a little bit of background. So I would love to start a little bit backwards and just say like, what made you pursue it? Because you said like your whole family was in the medical field. Right, and right. So how did you even choose this career as a PTA? Um, well, like you said, I came from a medical family. It was table talk growing up. Dad was an orthopedic surgeon uh, in Worcester, Mass, Central Mass. Uh, pretty good one. He was, uh, he was chief of orthopedics for 35 years at the hospital in Worcester. And uh, my oldest brother, Bill, was an internist gerontologist who's now retired. The second son, Kirk, he's an orthopedic surgeon in Hilton Head, South Carolina. He had a practice in Worcester where dad was for 20 plus years, and then he sold it, decided to move south. And I was a PTA, and my sister was a... uh, an RN, and and she worked in the NICU at Boston Children's before she had kids. And um, probably the reason why I got into the PTA program, I wasn't a good student at all, obviously, because I had siblings that pursued doctorates and, you know, high level. So I had... um, I had a pretty bad learning disability growing up, and I was finally diagnosed in high school with auditory dyslexia. So I struggled with school. So I had one of my best friends when we were looking into colleges, she said she'd found this program for uh, physical therapy assisting in Springfield, which is in Western Mass. So I decided to apply. It was a two-year program. Um, I had worked, this was back in 71 when I graduated from high school. I had worked for, you know, that was the perks of having a father that was in the medical field. He could get you summer jobs. (laughs) So I had worked one summer as a PT aide in a skilled nursing facility. And then I also worked a summer in, my dad ran a, he was a medical director of a cerebral palsy clinic connected Uh to the hospital he worked at. So I worked there as a summer with CP kids, which was so much fun. And it kind of let me know I never wanted to work with children. <laughs> it was tough. It was sad. But yeah. um, so I applied to the program, got in, um, and I did okay. I graduated with honors and 
It was pretty good. I went to the college. It was in Springfield, Mass., and it was one of the first accredited programs in the country. There were, excuse me, there were a couple programs in Florida, but they weren't accredited. So the program I went through was one of the first accredited and oldest ones in the country. Wow. And um, so I graduated in 73, got my first job like six months later. And uh, I got married very young and I lived in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And that's where I got my first job. Wow. So you want to hear about my first job? <laughs> yeah, let's hear about it. Yeah. Um, I worked with two male PTs. Of course, there weren't that many females in the profession at that point. Um, they were orthopedic PTs, but they had contracts with three acute care hospitals, a couple skilled nursing facilities, and they had a couple private practice offices. So I worked for them for six years before... I had my first child, Amy, in 79. And they were great. I loved them. I mean, they I learned a lot. Um, they're the ones that taught me how to mobilize an ankle, a hand, a shoulder. <laughs> they were uh, they were pretty um, they were the first PTs to really start working on mobilization of the backs and stuff like that. Okay. And uh I had the pleasure of meeting Robin McKenzie on his first U.S. tour wow. in the 70s. Actually, he taught a class in our office. So that was kind of the highlight of that career. That's really cool. So, yeah. And so I had a couple kids. Amy and Lisa were born. And then I went back to work when uh, they were still young. And I started working in a skilled nursing facility. Uh and I, at Manor Care, which is was pretty, they're kind of like at the level of uh, Genesis or Rehab Care. They were all across the country. Uh-huh. They've now dissolved. I sold a lot of their buildings. But I stayed with this company for 23 years. Wow. <laughs> I worked in the same building. Well, there were two buildings. We had sister buildings. One, uh, they were only like five miles apart. So I stayed with this company for that long. And I, you know... I learned a lot. Um, I, you know, it was tough coming into a, a new, a field that was fairly new to the physical therapy association. We weren't licensed in the state of Pennsylvania. In fact, I didn't get a license till 2007 when I was grandfathered in Pennsylvania. was very slow. Okay. Uh, Maryland. I got my license in the seventies where I had to sit for my boards after being out of school for seven years, it was a breeze though. Um, and then I was just grandfathered in, in Pennsylvania, but I, you know, I ran across, I ran into a lot of PTs that weren't real excited about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I basically had to prove myself. It was tough. It was tough. Um, I had one PT that I worked in, uh, in Hopedale after I, uh, left traveling stint that I basically quit because of her. You know, she just never understood me. She never listened to what I recommended. And by that time, I'd had 20 plus years experience. And I thought, you know, I really, I know my. My, oh, there we go. Sorry, it cut out for a second there. Ah, must be the California sun. <laughs> I'm getting so, a lot of rain today. Um, I was, um, I, the last thing I heard was, um, 
you had, like you were saying, you were there for like 20 years and then the, you had quit that job because they weren't really taking your opinion. Right, right, right. Well, I just didn't get along with the PT, which is, but when I worked at Manor Care for the 23 years, um, I learned a lot and I gave a lot. That's, uh, it was in the mid eighties that PTs were finally in the practice act uh-huh. to be able to do wound care. Okay. And I fell in love with wound care. And that's basically oh. all I did. I love it. You did, you it. did a lot. I didn't know you did a lot of wound care. Oh, I did. I've always done a lot. The, we just jumped in running in the company that I work for. Had a very good mentor from corporate, corporate level. And um, I basically came the wound care uh, go-to person in the facility. Wow. Um, I was involved in moon rounds and we did a lot of treatment at that time with high volt electrical stem machines. Uh-huh. So, you know, we had three machines and that's all I did all day long. I mean, of course, there's a lot of pressure ulcer problems in skilled nursing. Uh, it's gotten better over the years, but we had a lot. And actually it used to get us in trouble with the. Sorry, I, I lost you again. I can still see, but it just won't play. It... It's like I don't hear you. Maybe it's my headphones. I can hear you now. The skilled nursing facility at that point was having trouble with, um, you know, a lot of the wounds and, you know, uh-huh. with state inspection yearly, they were threatening to close the building down and went through a big mess, a lot of wallpaper with the state department. And at that time, I got moved to the other facility. But uh-huh. because one of the problems was wounds, the president of the company and the medical director demanded that I go back to my original site so I could be there to help with the wound care. That's on my resume. <laughs> Anyways, I loved it. I loved it. But it was a hard sale when I moved to Massachusetts. To talk uh, for wound care? Yeah. Yeah. Every facility I worked in, they just went, they would poo-poo it. And, um, you know, finally, the one travel site when I was outside of Boston for nine months, they finally let me do one. Uh-huh. And it was a um, a gal that had a BKA on the left side and a stage four on the right heel, diabetic ulcer, then uh-huh. healed it. She got up and walked several months later. So, you know, things like that have happened in all the facilities I worked in, but it just was a hard sell. And um, I don't know, I, you know, I, I learned a lot in my 46 years and I think I gave a lot. Uh-huh. I was always pretty good at picking up um, gate problems, deviations that I'd pick up on people that ended up having drop foots or hyperextension of the knees. And, you know, I worked in this one place down here in Carlisle and they wanted me the director said, Linda, could you go check out this guy? His wife wants to buy him a knee brace because his knee's unstable when he's walking. So I said, sure. So I got behind the guy and walked him down the hall. And when I went back to the office, I said to the PT, I said, um, I just evaluated. I said, he needs a Clenzac brace. And she looked at me and she goes, what's a Clenzac brace? <laughs> I said, oh, it's a brace named after Dr. Clenzac, but... It's a single bar upright because he has hyperextension of the knee. I would say a lot of those braces I, I haven't even heard of. I feel like uh, unless you do that every day, that's not something you see very often. 
I'm losing you again. Oh, I, well, I said, uh, I said, I don't feel like you see those braces very often. I don't know a lot about bracing because it's not something I do. And so when I go places, if someone recommends, I'm like, all right, let's just look into that because I don't. That's yeah. Not you remember at Eagle Pond? Yes. Yes. Old stroke. Yep. He had one that I picked up on and we ended up getting him a brace. Yeah. I liked having you there because you would see people and then come back with ideas. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Especially because, I mean, I, at, I've been practicing for a little bit longer now, but I've only been out for barely five years. And I remember right. having that debate with someone in school before about PTAs. And I was like, whether your degrees are higher or not, if they've been practicing for 20 years and, and care about the profession, you may have like certain things about patho or new PT skill ideas, but they actually see like what works. I don't know all the things of the braces and what you've been doing for 20 right, years. Right, there's, there's some right. things out there that work really well right. that aren't just textbook. I mean, that's the difference between, you know, the PT does the eval and the plan of care and we carry out the program. In so a lot of places, that's all we do too. Really? Yeah. So we're basically with the patient every day, you know, seeing a lot more, doing a lot more, but you know, I, just, I, I also wonder, um, cause we were saying before some PTs, don't appreciate having the PTA and, and then others enjoy it. I think what helped was my very first outpatient clinic. I had this PTA Fernando on point. Like we would do ortho together and hand off patients and he'd always come back with great ideas. And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, this yeah, is right. It's all about learning, right? Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot from, from PTs, that's for sure. And, and nursing. Yeah, nursing too. I was gonna say half the battle too with PT that I feel like I've learned from PTAs who have been out for a while is it's not even about the best care it's about talking with them and the way you interact and like can convince them that something's going to work and so right. i feel like yeah that's great do the eval and give them some ideas right. but if you have a good pta who's been practicing and like is really good with patient care that's more than half the battle yeah. especially yeah. in a skilled nursing oh yeah i always was an advocate for my residents and it got me into trouble sometimes because i wasn't following the rules <laughs> Perfect example was, you know, point of service when you were supposed to write, do your doc while you're treating the patient. Yeah. I never did it and I never liked it. And the one job I had, I had a meeting with the director and he goes, why don't you do your notes when you're with the patient? I said, because I go home and do my notes because I think it's rude and considerate to be doing my notes in front of a patient. And I said to him, I might not do my notes with them, but I can tell you their age, how many years they were married, how many children they had, what they did for a profession, blah, 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 blah. And he never questioned me again. <laughs> no, you, that was has the profession changed? Like it wasn't always point of service doc, right? No, that just started maybe, maybe five years ago or six years. It's never really... It was long after PPS rolled in. The reason but, I, because I've, I've never experienced different. And then I had one skilled nursing, that one in Maine, I really enjoyed. And they're like, we want you to see the patient when you see him doc after. And so I got to actually try it. And I was like, this is amazing. You can do oh, yeah. so much more. Like you're so focused during the session. I know. And I have been, I've been in situations where the therapist is like doing the eval and the, and the patient really gets upset. You know, are you really listening to me? I mean, I can't stand it when I go into a doctor's office and the doctor's looking in the computer and not looking at me. Yeah. You know, get your nose out of the computer. <laughs> so I point of service is everywhere, but it's yeah. still, 
it's all about the money, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you did travel, right? Yeah. In, uh, well, I looked, let's see, I started at Manicare in 1988 and I left in 2005. That was right after I had my brain aneurysm, which was in 2004. Oh, I remember um, you tell me about that. Yeah. After I covered, I went back to work and I was just having so many issues with um, concentration and that type of thing. And I just felt it better if I left. So I stayed around Harrisburg for another year and I worked the acute care in Harrisburg, the hospital. But I, my mother was living up in uh, Massachusetts at the time in assisted living. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to move back up to Massachusetts so I can spend some time with my mother. I said, what better way to do it than with the travel company? At least I could travel around the state and figure out where I want to live. Yeah. So um, my first stint was in Fall River, which is the armpit of Massachusetts from the southern border. And I was in uh, skilled nursing with a 13-week contract, which eventually got cut short because I hired someone to replace me. So then I moved. Oh, so when I was at Fall River, I had moved, I don't know, the very first weekend that I was there, we have a summer cottage in the state of Massachusetts. I went out to visit my oldest brother who's staying there. My mother fell and broke her pelvis. And she died two weeks later on hospice. <laughs> but I stayed, you know. I had a brother in Connecticut, a sister in Massachusetts. My daughter lived in Boston at the time, still does. So then my next travel assignment was in Malden, which is right outside of Boston, another skilled nursing unit. And I stayed there for nine months. I kept renewing my contract until I wanted to go to California for my daughter's wedding and they just didn't want to, they didn't want me to go away for a week and they didn't renew it. So they said, sorry. <laughs> so I only actually did two travel jobs. And then I finally said, you know, I got to look for something more permanent. And then I ended up in um, skilled nursing job outside of Hopedale in Massachusetts. That was right before I moved to the Cape in 2009. Oh, so you moved to the Cape. I thought you had lived there for a while. You weren't there super long before I got there. No, 2009 yeah. is when I moved. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 10 years I lived there. And I worked in multiple buildings on the Cape. I, You know, Eagle Palm was my third building. Did you always, like, you, obviously you liked working in a skilled nursing, but that's just where your passion was at? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I did. I loved, you know, I loved old people. Oh, of course, they're not so old nowadays. Every once in a while, I'd make some really neat connections, mostly to my father. Uh-huh. You know, anytime I knew that people were from Worcester, and I said, did you ever happen to know Dr. Werner Johnson? Oh, yeah. He, uh, you know, he fixed my daughter's hips when she was born. And one of the biggest connections in Pennsylvania when I worked for Manor Care is I walked in, there was an elderly man there. And I knew he was from Nebraska. Uh -huh. and, um, you know, I said, you know, I asked him where he went to college. He went to the University of Nebraska. And I said, you know, my grandfather was the dean of engineering at University of Nebraska for years. And he goes, who is your grandfather? And I said, Roy M. Green. And he goes, oh, you're the grandfather. He was a student of my grandfather's back in the <laughs> early 1900s. 
and he was 80 some years old. It was kind of cool. So, you know, I'd run into people that would know my family and that type of thing. So it was fun. You know, I enjoyed it. And, you know, it's frustrating, as you know. Yeah. School nursing is very frustrating because of the the federal government regulations and the need to make money. But, yeah. you know, I still hung in there. I was happy to retire, though. Trust me. I remember like it was right when I was there. You're like, I'm I'm pretty much done. I have so long left. And I remember, oh, yeah, really. He is excited uh, to get out of wait. here. I can't wait. I know you wanted to uh retire and move back to Pennsylvania to be by I think grandkids, you were saying. Yeah, I have a son and a daughter down here. In fact, I live, you know, we my son and I share a house here in Harrisburg. And our twelve his twelve year old daughter lives with us, which is a challenge in itself, trust me. She's like preteen and drives me crazy, but I love her. Uh, and I have a daughter in Pittsburgh, Amy. She's my oldest. So there's two. And Lisa, the nurse uh-huh. at Boston Medical in the midst of COVID, is still living in Boston. So I have three. So, yeah, I basically moved back. It's been tough. I mean, I haven't even connected with any of my old friends because of COVID. Yeah. And um, so it's, you know, it's kind of depressing actually yeah because and especially you go from work and seeing people every day to like literally nothing because retirement's already a little slower and then the the storm of the decade for you guys yeah well yeah it's been a while but of course i felt like i was at home yeah i do a little work on the side here i take care of a woman in her home a couple hours a day so i had to you know i still have that contact a little bit I don't have my license active in Pennsylvania because I didn't, we had to do um, 30 plus CEUs in Pennsylvania and I never did it. (laughs) (laughs) Something Massachusetts never required. Nothing. No, they don't require anything. No, no. And I can't understand why because Massachusetts is so strict. (laughs) Honestly, I would like, I expected it from Maine. They're pretty chill. Idaho was really easy license but mass honestly i expected as hard as california a really strict specific and uh yeah they don't care yeah i know so do you have to do ceus in a lot of the states yes although most states um will allow the same ceu course oh okay like because california being our home state we like to keep it and i think it's i think it's 30 ceus roughly every two years but uh-huh. when I do theirs, it pretty much meets everybody else's. Oh, okay. That the only, sense. you know, what was a really hard one is Louisiana. They are so strict. They want so many courses in a live class that they've pre-approved. Jeez. And I, yeah. I expected it to be mass to be that way in Louisiana to be relaxed. Right, right, right. So Eagle Pond, you know, my last stint, I was there five years. I think 2013. Yeah. Uh-huh. Six years. And uh, I enjoyed it there. I mean, we had a lot of travelers. We had more travelers than regular PTs. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I enjoyed it when we got, we had a good group. Uh, Matt was there. And then once, once leave came in, it was really fun. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. 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 And the big I, Dawn. <laughs> I'm sure Dawn does a great job. That's why she moved up. But when she was there for that first week, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be stressful. This is going to be real yeah. stressful. 
Especially when she cracked down on your productivity, right? <laughs> like week week one, she was on me. I was like, I don't even, I, I've never used an iPad with Kasamba before. And she was like, right. called me Friday night and asked what was taking so long. And I was like, <laughs> no one's here to help me. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. That's when I learned though, I was like, you know what? It's okay because as bad as it sounds, there's a reason they have a traveler. No permanent staff wants to come there. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And even the permanent one that we had when I was hired, she didn't stay long. She left. So but yeah, it got <laughs> it got easier to keep the productivity. And then uh Lee was one of my favorite directors. She's right, right. Yeah, yeah. She still probably is. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. And that's why I like the the sniffing main so much because I was at a hospital first and then COVID hit. So I got cut and I went to the sealed nursing, but the director there, Julie was awesome. So I feel like her yeah. and Lee, that's, it makes the whole difference at a skip. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a big difference. A lot changed when PPS rolled in. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to ask about that. Cause how was it before treating? Could you just do as much as you wanted? What? Yes. Yes. You never, you weren't set with minutes. You could and either spend 15 minutes with somebody or an hour and a half with somebody. And what was, <laughs> when did PPS come out? It was like in the mid nineties. So before that, it's whatever. Yeah. Whatever you wanted to do. We never had any, you know, we just had our schedule and depending on how long you want to stay with them, it was up to you. And the billing was the same period. Boom. <laughs> wow. You know, you just write your notes and, and you didn't have daily notes. You had weekly notes. Uh-huh. Uh, you only wrote once a week and then every 30 days you know, recount was done, but yeah, it was totally different. Yeah. And a lot of PTs left the profession when PPS rolled in. Oh, the ones that were close to retirement or this? No, no. Some even just left skilled nursing because it only affected skilled nursing. Gotcha. A lot of PT says, you know what? I'm out of (laughs) here. I don't want to deal with this. (laughs) So yeah, it just, it drove me crazy, PPS. I guess it's not even in existence anymore, right? They got rid of it. Yeah, they switched it. Um, I'm going to forget what it's called, PDPM, maybe? Oh. I, I forget exactly what it is, but they switched it again. And it was right when I was transitioning out of a nursing facility to um, a different setting, so it didn't affect me. Right. And then by the time I got to the next sniff, which I just did in Maine, it was all in place. So it was easier, but it's different now. They, it's like a whole person scenario. They take in the nursing account with billing. And so I think it's kind of gone a little bit back to that where you don't have to see them so many minutes. Right. Which is nice. Um, it's based on diagnosis, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I, I don't know the specifics, um, but I just know it's made it a little bit better treating. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I know. We'll never go back to the way it was in the eighties. That's for sure. But I hated <laughs> the minutes when you're, when you have to go in there and then it's like, okay, I don't care if they don't want to get out of bed. I need 60 minutes today. <laughs> Many a time I've sat and talked for 60 minutes without <laughs> even touching the patient or doing uh, anything. It's and that's such- the way I felt about it. I said, you know what? I mean, I had so many arguments sometimes with my managers when they say, you got to go get 60 minutes. The PPS people will call, you got to get 60 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, the guy is at the end of life. I don't think I'm going to get 60 minutes. Yeah. And I, I remember talking to you and you knew a lot about the end of life stuff because your mom was a hospice nurse. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I fully, you know, agree with all that. In one facility I had, the guy was 103. And I said, you know, you got to get 60 minutes in. I said, and I argued. I went and talked to him for 60 minutes. He just, he wanted to die. He wanted to die. He said, you know, I'm 103 years old. All I want to do is lay in bed and do absolutely nothing. So I went back. I said, you got your 60 minutes, but this guy has to be DC'd. He wants to go. And I kept fighting and fighting about it. And I refused to see him. And, you know, after they deceded him, he died two days later. Hello. (laughs) It's a whole different ball game. And that was important to me was just sitting talking and getting people's feelings. Yes, I'm very comfortable with death. and And that's a huge part in the sniff. I feel like that isn't talked about is the talking part's a huge part of treatment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Figuring out what they want to do alone. Right, right, right. Well, it's a big part in any setting, I think. Yeah. You probably pick up a lot of stuff, even an outpatient. Yeah. You know, life outside the office is totally different for these people. Yeah. Or, it, it's or, shocking to hear, yeah, what their life's like. I'm like, oh, well, the last thing you want to do right now is some leg raises. I can, you got a yeah, lot of really. It's interesting. Have you been following Matt on Facebook and his little. <laughs> pods no uh matt from the clinic when i was there yeah i need to find him is he your friend on facebook yeah it's called well he started he left uh steve's house you know i didn't yeah so i i knew i was talking to matt when he was there and he wanted to start some business he had an idea and then i know he was he had that great gig with steve for a while that was awesome right well then look under facebook called the health collaborative the health collaborative okay and yeah, he's in private practice now, but he's doing a lot from his house. He has these little videos and he's like, he focused a lot on uh, vertigo and dizziness and, you know, that's awesome. static hypertension. And so he puts up these little videos every now and then. And he's doing well, I guess. He bought a house, so he's a permanent Cape Codder now, I guess. Oh, well. <laughs> I know he loved it there. Really? Yeah. Wow surprised me i thought maybe he was a city guy but he travels to boston a lot i guess he has some connections in boston so i was talking to him for quite a while because i have a very good friend down here that has cte uh-huh. former boxer that's really struggling with the end of life and i know he's done a lot of work and research on it and i was trying to get him to connect so he could talk to him but my friend alan didn't really want to have anything to do with it Gotcha. This guy is—he's only forty-eight, and he's end-of-life CTE. Wow, that's so young. Um, he was a sparring partner for twenty-six years. Many bashes in the head. That's what he did professionally. He sparred. So he didn't—he didn't make the big money. He was just a sparring. No, partner. he did at one point. I did. I guess he did some professional boxing, but he mostly did sparring. Gotcha. And uh, you know, he took a beating for it. Now he's paying for it, but it's sad. So I knew Matt was involved in law because that's what they figured Steve had. Yep, yep. After yeah, a while. Matt, Matt was uh, really into that. A lot of concussion stuff and a lot of... Oh, work. yeah. He loved his dementia, <laughs> which I can't understand. <laughs> I cannot understand. I hated going to that wing. Yeah, some, some were good. But they were, they're so tough and you got to really enjoy it. And I remember going in with him and he'd be like, he knew what he wanted to do with them. I was like, that does not sound good to me. I'm not doing yeah, this. Really? Oh, I hated, I, I, 
Uh, it's one thing I didn't enjoy on skilled nursing is the locked units. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't wait. And I thought, how do these nurses and CNAs do this all day long? I couldn't even stand being in there an hour. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a tough room to be it's in. sad. So the health collaborative, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I keep debating doing stuff like that, but right now we've just done so much travel. We've been sticking with the travel posts, but that's really cool to go into a little side thing because everything's online now and you can get so much. Oh, I know. Right, right. I guess he does a lot of his patients on Zoom. I guess it looked like he had a setup in his house, though. That's where his videos are. He has the, he's got a table in his living room. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I guess he's doing okay. Nice. Yeah. I texted him for a while when he was following Steve around basically New England doing fun adventures. Yeah, I know. I know. I feel like with COVID too, it's been easier for, I've seen a lot of people go online because people don't want to leave anywhere. So it makes it easier to start something like that. Yeah. I have a couple friends that are in private practice on the Cape and they've see their patients a lot online. <laughs> it's gotta be hard. It's got to be hard. Yeah. I'm so tired. I can't. I'm, I get my first vaccine shot the 25th. Thank goodness. Nice. How has it been out there? Pretty bad. Yeah. Pennsylvania was hit hard. It's been rough. Um, yeah. And it's starting to come out into the community now. What? I mean, uh, no, the vaccine. Yeah. They, um, it was just hard to find a place to go. And then I had a friend on Facebook posted that Rite Aid pharmacy went public. Nice. And um, just uh, two weeks ago, so I hopped right on. I got an appointment right away, probably because of my age and my autoimmune disease, but helped. But um, anyways, I go the 25th, thank goodness. Nice. Of course, oh, yeah. my son thinks I'm crazy. He's one of those theorists, you know. He said, I'm not getting the shot. And I said, okay. <laughs> then my granddaughter says, Nanny, you might die from the shot. I said, well, I don't want to die from COVID either. <laughs> oh, yeah. My daughter's a nurse in the thick of it in Boston. Yeah, I know. It was really bad back in, in uh, Maine. That's what everyone was saying. Yeah. Boston and New York were obviously we're having a lot yeah, initially. Right. She was on the COVID floor and then it went back to the med surge floor. And now it's back to 50% COVID and not. So she always looked like she was going to be going to the moon the way she had to dress, go to work, mask, shield, everything. Oh, that that N95 for eight-hour shift sucks, and they have to do like 12-hour shifts. Oh, I know. I know. I don't even like it to go in a store wearing a mask. It drives me crazy. (laughs) Box my glasses up. You know, I can't stand it. (laughs) I hate that at the outpatient clinic because you put it on all day and you breathe up and it goes. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yes. Uh, so are you going to end up in Maine permanently? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so we go back and forth all the time. Um, I'll be honest, like that whole New England lifestyle and trying to like vacation or, or rent a place for a few weeks in Maine. That's amazing. Maine was one of the most beautiful states. And I tell everybody that, but that's great. Yeah. Um, I don't know what we'll end up for sure. We're still going to travel a little longer because as you know, the student debt is kind of crazy in the PT profession now. Oh yeah. Might not be forgiven, huh? (laughs) I have no idea what's going on, but I'm hoping we travel long enough to pay it off because I don't want to have student loans till I'm not. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But um, 
Maine was definitely a nice place. Yeah. I don't know whether they hire travelers around here. You know, Hershey Med is a huge pediatric place. Oh, I was Hershey. Wife for a while. I'll write it just in case. See, that's one thing. Um, so we definitely liked Maine, and I don't mind the winters now. Maybe when I get older, I won't enjoy slipping on ice. Right. I'm sure that'll happen. But the summer there was beautiful. But I know Carrie. I'm pretty good with every setting, and I've actually enjoyed. I didn't think I'd ever like nursing facilities, and I've actually kind of enjoy them. Um, good. But Carrie wants to be pediatric all the way, so we'll probably end up settling wherever she gets a really good peds job. Right. That's true. That's yeah. true. Because yeah. that's hard to come by. Yeah. Yeah. Hershey has the children's hospital. Even if that's a permanent, I'll tell her to start looking there because she's open to look for different types of peds. She wants to do inpatient pediatrics, but it's hard to come by. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where Jen ended up in Maine. And she, you know, she's peds. Yeah. And you used to talk, that was the one at the nursing facility before me. Yeah. And her husband, uh, Dylan, well, they got married at the end of their stint. They like went to Texas, didn't they, for a while? They were in Texas for a while and she had a pediatric position there and then they moved to Maine and they were in Maine permanently. I don't know if she's working peds or not. And Philadelphia would be a good place to look too. They, uh, they have a children's hospital in Philly. That's going to be a big city though, isn't it? Philly, yeah. Philly is a big city. I'm yeah. We in, I enjoy the uh, town of Madison, Maine with 3,000 people. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the slow life. The slow life. Yeah. Slow life with a lot of snow. Well, and people are friendly up there in Vermont and Maine. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. Mass, they all have that nickname for Massachusetts people. Right. Right. That wasn't me, though. No. I, <laughs> I consider you're a Pennsylvanian. Yeah, I know. People could tell by the way I talk. I'm from Pennsylvania, but I don't notice it. I had a patient in Maryland years ago, back in the 70s, and I'd talk about where I grew up. And he said, well, just keep talking to me. So I kept talking. He said, you grew up in Massachusetts in Worcester. I said, how did you know that? And he said, I travel all over the world. I said, I knew exactly where you were from. And he did. He nailed it right down to the city. <laughs> Clem had one of the strongest accents I've ever heard. Oh, yes. I guess he's still there, isn't he? I don't. Uh, yeah, I think so. I just added him on Facebook because I was trying to keep in touch with some people that we've met. I haven't. He's not. You know, they cut out people off your list if you don't hear from them. Everyone's yeah. once in a while to go on someone. I said, I haven't seen any posts from so-and-so. And I'm just fine with all those Republicans that I don't see, so... <laughs> Yeah, if you don't click on a, someone's page for a while, I feel like then they'll just show you the ones you look at. Frequently. Yeah, the most popular ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I swear I have more friends than this. Yeah, I know. I said, I have 400 some friends. I don't see that many posts. <laughs> yeah, and I meant to say, you know, my very first job. Uh -huh. I always talk about it when they bring up salaries and stuff. My very first job as a PTA, I made three bucks an hour. And I thought... I. I thought I was in heaven. I go, oh my God, $3 an hour. My rent, my rent was $99 a month. What? Yeah. This is in the I, 70s? 73. $100 a month was your rent? 
my rent, but I made, you know, I was married at the time, so I had my husband's income and I made $303 an hour. <laughs> and I only got paid once a month. Oh, wow. But, yeah, but our rent was only $99. <laughs> and I, you know, I worked at the Gettysburg Hospital, which was right next door. I just walked in the back parking lot and in the door. That was my very first place. That's so awesome. It was the hospital. They just uh, brought in their first orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Strait, there when I was there. So it was a fun place to learn a lot. But yeah, I liked working with those two guys. They were pretty smart. You had your aneurysm. I don't mind if, or I don't know if you mind sharing a little bit, but you were in the middle of your profession when that had happened or a few, a few that years That was 2004. Off. Yeah. So you already been 20 something years. Huh? You had been working for 20 years already, roughly? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Since nine, just since 73. I was 54 years old when it happened. Um, I had had months and weeks of headaches, massive headaches that they couldn't figure out. I'd wake up with a headache, go to bed with a headache. And, and uh, you know, everybody thought it was migraines and I was pursuing all that, but I didn't think it was. And um just this one particular night it was at the point i knew something was wrong when i was sitting watching tv and my vision just went i went totally blind i could not see anything everything was just black so then it returned and i freaked out and called the nurse and so they finally did an mri which was negative the mri didn't show a thing wow so uh, the aneurysm rupture was two weeks later. I woke up with my typical headache. So I got in the shower to get ready to go to work. And uh, I just felt like someone put a gun to my head and pulled the trigger. It was this massive pain. So I didn't go down, fortunately. I got out of the shower and I looked in the mirror and my right eye was fully blown. Oh, wow. Fully blown. It was all pupil, fully blown. I went, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> so I got dressed and I went down and called the doctor because my health insurance at the time to go to the ER, you had to call the doctor first. So I just, you know, and then I got off the phone with them and I called 911. And we went to the small community hospital, which was not too far from where I lived at the time. And, uh, oh, the EMTs were horrible. They made me walk to the ambulance, even though I was screaming. It was so painful. And uh, when we got into the, the ER, I just grabbed the nurse and I said, look at my right eye. It's fully blown. And um, so they, they went and took me for a CAT scan. So when I came back, the doctor said, you know, you were right. You know, you have an aneurysm that ruptured in the communicating artery. And I said, well, how come the, you know, I had an MRI two weeks ago. It was negative. And he said, MRIs don't pick up that stuff. You should have had a CAT scan two weeks ago. You would have found it. I said, oh, I'll remember that next time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they basically, my blood pressure had blew through the roof at that time. So they kind of had to knock me out comatose for a couple of days to get my blood pressure down before they went in. Uh -huh. 
So that happened on a Thursday and I didn't have surgery till Saturday morning. But I often try to relive with my children and my sister what I was like for those two days because I don't remember. I have no memory, no memory of being in the hospital till after surgery. Wow. And uh, of course, after surgery was not bad. I mean, I was up walking and talking in two days, refusing any kind of intervention from rehab. <laughs> I went to PT, but OT came in. I said, no, I know my rights. I don't want an OT eval. <laughs> oh, so finally I succumbed to the OT eval. But so my right eye was paralyzed. Uh-huh. And uh, the, you know, the, um, I'm trying to think of the nerve. Okay. Yeah, it was paralyzed for about three months. And then eventually I kept working at it and we started working. But I saw double. So I had to wear a patch over my eye for, three more months. Wow. I was back to work in six months. I was going to say, because when you told me you had an aneurysm and you recovered, I was like, you would never know. Yeah. Yeah. Physically right. eye was the only thing I did have a little bit of a drag on my right leg that I went to outpatient PT. I had a friend that worked outpatient and I wanted to go where there was a pool so I could get in the water. Cause that's the best therapy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> So she had a pool and a treadmill and I did a workout in the water for a couple of weeks, but no, I didn't have any real deficits except for my, you know, I'm a little ADD and I have no filter. So I say a lot of stupid stuff as my kids say that I shouldn't say. <laughs> I, was, I, I never held anything back at work. Well, I didn't know if that was pre or post, if you had. No, no that was post. That was post. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely post. I have no filter. Uh, yeah, I don't remember you holding back for the brief time Don was there even. No, no. <laughs> oh, She's in Pennsylvania right now. I should probably go visit her sometime, but yeah. She's still working for them? Yeah, yeah. She was up around uh, Fishkill in Poughkeepsie, New York for a while. When I came, when I moved back down, I stopped by to see her on my way down gotcha. in her facility. She was in a meeting when I walked in, but yeah, yeah. I just sat and talked in her office for a while, but she still travels around, goes home every weekend, but. That's so crazy. That's a far drive. Yeah. 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 Well, she drove from the Cape home every weekend when she was on the Cape. Yeah. So that's crazy. We used to have, we had one interim, no, she was speech, and rehab care would literally fly her to Florida every Friday, fly her back on Sunday. She'd work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and fly out. Wow. I said, talk about a waste of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, really. She'd rent, they'd rent her a car during the week, put her up in a hotel, then the flyer back and forth every weekend. That was part of her contract. That's so crazy. Uh, so she was there for a while. At one time, I had thought of applying for that position. At the, was, that facility? Yeah. There was a PTA that did run it for a while, but she failed. Um, I interviewed for it, but I, you know, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I could probably do it, but I don't know if I really want to have people hate you. (laughs) 
It would be tough. It would be tough. Yeah. Liv, Liv did a good job. She always, she still does. So I miss the crew every now and then. Thanks for checking out the Road Tripping PT podcast. If you want to follow along with our adventures, learn more about travel therapy, or just get in touch, you can find us on Instagram or on our Facebook page at Road Tripping PT. Hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next time.